Those who would trade our freedom for the soup kitchen of the welfare state have told us they have a utopian solution of peace without victory. They call their policy accommodation. And they say if we'll only avoid any direct confrontation with the enemy, he'll forget his evil ways and learn to love us. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Politics, 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 politics. That's right. It's politics, 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 and Happy New Year, Las Vegas. Hi, I'm your host, Warren Markowitz, and this is Politically Incorrect on January 1st, 2015. Yes, we've made it, and some of us look a little worse for wear. Good morning, Ryan. (laughs) Not so loud. <laughs> Why is it so bright in here? Uh, we'll turn the lights down. We'll get the conversation going. But, hey, it's 2015. Everybody's looking back. My goal today is to look forward, identify some of the things that we're going to be talking about from, actually, unfortunately, months to come, and see how our future is going to be lining up based upon the things we dealt with last year. I hope you'll stick around and join us. And so, if you want to be a part of the conversation, please give us a ring over at 702 702- 731-1230. If you're technically savvy and know how to use Skype, you can click in at 12.30 a.m. And, of course, you can always catch us streaming at 12.30 KLAV, 1230am.com. Also, please visit us at facebook.com slash radiomarkowitz, spreaker.com, and blog talk radio to catch our episodes both live and on podcast. As always, send an email to radio at galtspeaks.com. We'll catch you right after this break. We'll pick it up and we'll welcome the new year the right way. Thank you for joining us. Do you have a product or service that would be attractive to the listeners of this program? Programs like this require support of interested parties, vendors, and advocates just like you to continue to bring the message of freedom and independence to its audience. Politically Incorrect reaches thousands of people each month worldwide through traditional media and the Internet. And our listeners want the opportunity to vote with their pockets and cash by supporting like-minded people and organizations. For more information on how to advertise on this show, send an email to adverts, that's A-D-V-E-R-T-S, at galtspeaks.com. That's A-D-V-E-R-T-S, at galtspeaks.com. Hi, I'm Warren Marquardt, host of the Warren Marquardt Show on Blog Talk Radio. Join me this Thursday and every Thursday thereafter as we make the jump from internet to broadcast. Join me on 1230 AM KLAV, the talk of Las Vegas, at 11 AM Pacific time to talk about current events, politics, and anything else that might tickle my fancy. Remember, Politically Incorrect on the Warren Markwood Show, Thursday morning at 11 Pacific time on KLAV Radio. Remember, it's my world. You just live in it. This program is brought to you by the Law Office of Warren R. Markowitz, Esquire. Attorney Markowitz, that's me, is licensed in New York, the U.S. District Court and Bankruptcy Courts in Colorado, and the Ninth and Tenth Circuit Courts of Appeal. For more information or to see if I can help you with your case, please contact me at info at markowitzlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z-L-A-W-F-I-R-M.com. Warren Markowitz, Esquire, a modern lawyer for modern times. Cryptocurrency and traditional forms of payment accepted. Mostly Mail, your local provider for all your postal packaging and mailing needs. Owned and operated by your neighbors, Mostly Mail provides the packaging and mailing services you need when dealing with all your holiday shipping. Visit Bill and the Boys at 7260 West Azure Drive, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89130, or give them a call at 702-294-6245. That's 702-294-6245 for more information. Mostly Mail, your local provider for postal packaging and mailing needs. They keep me connected, they can keep you connected. Stop on in and tell them Warren sent you. Now we are back. Welcome to, uh, well, welcome to the new year. And uh, on that note, I want to wish my wife a very happy and healthy and prosperous new year. It's also our 14th wedding anniversary. I was going to say, as I recall, it is somebody's anniversary, yes. so a happy anniversary to you. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, we celebrate 14 years today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and it's really funny. I left the house an hour ago, and the kids were up late last night watching uh, uh, watching the fireworks. And everybody expected to watch the ball drop on, uh, on ABC last night. And unfortunately, at... Just before nine o'clock, they shifted everything to the West Coast, so we didn't get a chance to see the you know the ball drop on uh, uh-huh. 
on uh, in Times Square. Which who is who does of, the uh, the drop now? Um, Ryan Seacrest covers it under the Dick Clark uh, logo. Yeah, it's just not the same. No, it's not the same. Okay, and Jenny McCarthy's had so much plastic surgery, I couldn't even recognize the woman. Oh, he just sees the lifts. Oh God, it's just it's, it's just crazy. I got to tell you, I mean, it's just people have tried to remake themselves to the point where they have literally remade themselves. Hey, work for uh, work for Mickey Rooney, not Mickey Rooney. Oh my God, Mickey Rourke. Yeah, well, I'm hungover. What can I say? Yeah, it did work for Mickey Rourke, but uh, Mickey Rourke had some. I mean, the man went down some bad paths, and, and I mean, I think all those tats. Yeah, face just, first. Yeah, and I think all those tats you see on him, I think they're all real. I mean, they're, they're, I believe they're all his. Yeah, and they all look like that prison tattoo. Like it's all black and blue. Yeah, you watch them in the Expendables. If you ever catch one of the Expendable movies, they, you know, you see it. It's like, whoa, man, that's a lot of ink, and. uh it's just that people, I mean, over time, people tend to change. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, the, there's a little bit of a curdle to the milk. Yeah, but uh, it's that curdle that we're going to be looking at going into 2015. Yeah, nice seg. You like that? Okay. Uh, a couple of things on my mind, a couple of things that shocked the daylights out of me in the last couple of weeks that I've been reading that I'm going to be sharing with everybody here. And I'm going to make some predictions on what kind of topics we're going to be that are, are going to be hitting uh, – that are going to be annoying everybody going to the future. First, I think right off the bat, I think we got employment issues. I think uh, America with, with the dropping oil prices, which I love. I mean, for the simple fact of the matter is every time I fill up my truck now, I feel like I'm raping an Arab. Yeah, but f- $5 <laughs> is gas money now. Uh, I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, I can fill my truck, which is a, a, a Tahoe, for literally just around 50 bucks, as opposed to— Those are some crazy 1990s numbers. Well, I mean— it's it's actually not that far back in 1990. I mean, let's see now, 14. Oh wow. Um, I was gonna say, are you sure the 90s aren't as far back as you remember? No, it's not. It's it's actually just about because back in 2000, 1999, 1998. Okay, I mean, I don't really consider those 90s. That's the tail end. I used to have this gas station around the corner from where I lived, and uh, Jackie and I would fight to figure out who actually got the cheapest price of gas. Okay, getting home. Depending upon when you got to the station, you either paid ninety nine cents a gallon, or you paid a dollar one a gallon, and it was a, it, it was a competition every time we tried to figure out who would catch it when, and who'd pay less for gas. I've always wondered how they actually split those prices. Like there has to be some reason that the Seven Eleven across the street charges a cent more than the Shell station. Well, actually, for those who've never actually figured it out, a lot of the, the name brand stations have contracts. They the station doesn't set the price per se. There's a there's a margin that they tack on to the price of gasoline that they get from the vendor. Oh, and I so see. if you buy your gas if you have a sh- if you have a shell logo, you're paying a shell price because you're buying it from a shell vendor. And they tell you that okay, you're paying X dollars per gallon per gasoline and then you tack your margin on top of that. Plus of course, we all get to pay you know the the state tax, our state tax, your your state tax, your federal tax, and your local tax, those were all flat fees per gallon. So those taxes from one store to another is all the same. It's that underlying fee they get to get paid. The worst part about it is you can watch the truck pull up to a shell station, fill it up with a couple of hundred gallons of gasoline, a couple of thousand gallons of gasoline, and go across the street to a 7-Eleven or someplace else and still fill it up. It's the same gas. Yeah, the truck it's driver the same must product. be laughing all the way to the bank. Oh, man, those guys are killing it. Uh, but it does I think we're going to see a continued decline in gasoline prices. Um, that has to do with a number of things. Number one, we've increased our pumping. We've increased our our, uh, our drilling. We've increased our abilities to withdraw fuel or oil from places that we just couldn't get to 20 years ago. If you remember the 19... I mean, you don't remember the 1970s, and if you did... I remember the 1970s. I was a young lad back then. Well, I, I always heard this. If you remember the 70s, you really weren't there. And I was a kid, so I was... <laughs> Dude. <laughs> exactly. They were talking about global cooling and the earth freezing and uh, us running out of oil by 1990. Well, it's now... 30, 40 years later, depending upon where you want to pick it in the, in the, in the generation. Mm-hmm. And we've got more oil than we know what to do with. For now. For now. But the, hey, just think about it, though. Technology has improved our lives. It's made things available where technically oil or gasoline is cheaper now, inflationary adjusted, than it was in 1976 when we had the uh, embargo. It is going to be kind of fun when we one day run out of oil, though. 
with it being a finite resource. I just imagine the very first, uh, like the first Derek that comes up dry, and they just humina, humina, humina. Well, I mean, they, they've tapped sources out. They've been, they've been, they've been uh, drill rigs that have come up not only dry, but you know, you, you see the oil come out of these pumps, these pump jacks, these things that jump up and down, and the oil fields that keep pumping, literally draw the oil out like a straw. You know, do you see a decrease in volume? You go from 100 barrels a day to 80 barrels a day, and it simply declines. And that's when Mad Max starts. That's yeah. You know, that that's going to be an interesting chain of events. But you know what? I think you and I are going to be long dead by the time that happens. Hey, they could invent cryogenic freezing by the time that we've. Uh... Great! It'll be year 3000, and we're going to call you Fry from now on. How's that? Hey, I'm going to meet my dog Seymour at least. <laughs> I love that show. Anybody, a Futurama fan, give me a ring over at 702 731 1230. That'd be a lot of fun. Talk about how Zoidberg is the best character. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> uh, so nice that that's lasted another generation. Oh, I, I, the show's been canceled three times. Yeah, more times than Family Guy. Yeah, and yeah, and Family Guy keeps coming back too. I yeah, love it, Family it, Guy. It's corpse like. Yeah, it's great. But anyway, we. Uh, as I was saying, I think we're going to see a de- continued decline in oil prices. I mean, the Saudis have already said they're going to let the price at least slip to 40. But I think if it slips to 40, I think it's going to continue to go down. I mean, just my recollection, my early, my latest recollection was in uh, the late 90s, oil bottomed out in a $17, $18 a barrel range. At that point, we had more oil we knew what to do with. We couldn't even store it. It was literally floating in tankers. Just drinking it out of your champagne it glasses. Was just com- it was just ridiculous. But... We'll get, I think we'll get to that point again because we're tapping sources we've never had before. We, we've got things. That makes things cheaper, but unfortunately it also has a negative impact on some of the industry. I was going to say, where do you see the, uh, the, the negative in this? Well, the oil and gas industry, I mean, can only – you have a hard cost, just like mining has a hard cost of, uh, of production. You have a minimum level where it doesn't pay to drill anymore. What's going to happen is we're going to hit that point. Rigs are going to come offline. And the oil prices are going to start coming up to at least production costs. So without backing up my data, because I haven't really done a whole lot of expectations, my guesstimate is we're going to see $30 at the bottom. And what do you figure that would reduce down to the uh, the price per gallon for the uh, the consumer? We'll see sub $2 uh, nationwide. We're seeing actually in some jurisdictions, we're actually seeing sub $2 now because of the, the state and local tax issues. I mean, a lot of it, it, I remember when we had paper signs and we used to be able to flip, you'd see this amount of tax per gallon, this amount of tax, city, local, state, and so forth. You don't see that anymore. Uh, you, can, you, you can look for it. It's there. But in general, I think what's going to happen is we're, going to see, we're certainly going to see sub $2. We may see a buck and a half in a gallon uh, when we get down to the $30 range. But, again, that's uh, – then they're going to start complaining we're not driving enough. They're going to raise the taxes because they need more money, and it's going to completely screw everything up. Now, how do you see this affecting the world abroad? Oh, well, our, our Arab brethren in the in the sand pit over there who keeps pumping, they will continue to pump uh, because they have to. That's how they have to keep their economies afloat. They have to keep their people in, in bread and circuses. They you know they, they have to do that. Yeah, I don't think they're going to go convert to woodcraft. No, 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 no. And they're not going to uh, – overall, I think the – Non-oil producing nations are actually going to fare better because they're going to be able to buy for less. We may see a little bit of balance overall economically, but you know we're certainly going to have a slowdown and a, and a pop with unemployment when that comes out. Um, the other thing we're going to, we need to worry about is employment levels. I think we're going to see uh, a severe snap in unemployment. I think a lot of more people are going to be out of work over the next year than they are going to be at work. And because that's going to, what's going to happen is we're going to start recognizing the um, the labor participation rate more. We're going to start looking at that as how do we get more people to participate in going to work. I mean, we had a conversation not too long ago where we talked about what would happen if uh, gas stations, talking about oil, turned around and were required to have somebody pump your gas. You know, the only what's the only state in the union that requires you to have somebody else pump your gas? You know. Oh, this is uh, this is a quiz over what I've learned from the show, and I'm I'm a shameful student. Okay, well, New Jersey is the only co- place in the country that I know of that requires the a gas station attendant. You do not pump your gas. It's a full service state. Period. End. Finished. 
Other places used to charge you a nickel more, maybe a dime more. If you didn't want to get out of your car to pump your gas, now everybody pumps their own gas for the most part. How many people, how many gas stations do you think we have in the country? A million, million and a half? Three. Three. Three gas stations <laughs> in the entire country? I'll, I'll do the other prices. We're right. not talking electric charge. We're not talking electric charging stations. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, I could do the prices right. One. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> All you have to do is just get one over, and I win. Exactly. Well, let, let's just say, for argument's sake, we've got a million and a half gas stations in the country. And a million and a half gas stations open for maybe 15 hours a day. We're not even talking 24-hour stations. What are you going to put together? What are you, who are you going to put to work? Three million people? Three and a half million people? Think about what the opportunities are if we require people to not pump their gas anymore. I think we're going to start looking at ways of improving employment levels through reasonable legislation. I don't like government telling us what to do. I'm not a big fan of government telling us what to do because for the most part, we've all seen what government can do. Smash the state. Yeah, well, if you look at Obamacare, you just figure it out that they just can't get it right without lying to you. But in general, how many people could we take off welfare? We could start putting some confidence back in people's minds again, start employing the underemployed or underemployable. I mean, it's, we're not talking about uh, college graduates pumping gas. We're talking about guys who can't even get out of high school. You give them a little something, you give them a little support, you give them a little structure, you, you turn them into beneficial members of society, not wards of society. I mean, I don't know. I mean, will it work? I think it will work. I don't think it'll cost us a whole lot of money. I think people in general won't even notice the impact of the cost on their price of gasoline, but in general... I think what we'll have added at is we'll start developing a, uh, uh, I don't want to say an underclass, but I, I, we'll start developing a uh, an avenue of recovery for those who have been struggling so long to do so. Now, do you think this might be a case of leading a horse to water in terms of encouraging people to get out of welfare and unemployment? Well, that I've always felt that that's the only way you're going to get people out of welfare. I mean, unemployment's a different situation. Okay, I don't, I'm not a big fan of this 99-week stuff that came out. Uh, it makes absolutely no sense why you would pay somebody unemployment benefits two years when every one of us has had an, uh, had some sort of insurance that has run out at a, a certain period of time. I mean, for example, my car was stolen, right? I my, my wife's brand-new car was stolen about three months ago. My insurance company calls me up and says, well, you're insu- if you want the rental car, you're going to have to pay for it yourself because you know you've used up your benefits. Still, never had my car back. Yeah, no, uh, no, no human interaction. Just nope. According to this, your number ran out. No more number. Yeah, it went forty-five days. Well, time for you to give the rental car back. At that point, I put a little pressure on a dealer who was trying to repair the my, my vehicle. But the point is, this ninety-nine day stuff was just it was welfare. It was state granted welfare. It was nothing more than nothing less. And it's just nothing we can do about it because all we did was make 99-week couch potatoes. I mean, who's going to go out and look for a job if they know they got another six months on unemployment? I'll look for it tomorrow. Yeah. I'll look for it tomorrow. Catch up on Breaking Bad. Yeah. Oh, you, you, binge, you binge watch uh, Suits because the new, new season's starting. You know, it, people just don't get up off their behind if they don't get a little shove. And then the muscle atrophies and then et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the long and the short of it happens to be that if we find a way to employ the uh, the lower ends, and I'll, I'll be straightforward with you, we're not talking about uh, your white middle class kid here. We're talking about a job like this is going to affect two certain specific economic groups, most of which are going to be your lower economic strata, which happen to be combined with your Latino and your black populations. It's going to give them a leg up. It's not going to give them a handout. And I'm all for giving everybody a way out of poverty. I'm not a supporter of finding out how to keep people down. Because my opinion is real simple. The more we give people, the more we keep them in place. And most of these places, nobody wants to be to begin with. Some people have abused the system. Well, hey, what are you going to do? All right, coming up on the next spot. Sit tight. We got something that's probably going to turn your hair white if you've got anything left. And if you don't, well, you're probably just going to be annoyed. Talk to you soon.
you have a product or service that would be attractive to the listeners of this program? Programs like this require support of interested parties, vendors, and advocates just like you to continue to bring the message of freedom and independence to its audience. Politically Incorrect reaches thousands of people each month worldwide through traditional media and the internet, and our listeners want the opportunity to vote with their pockets and cash by supporting like-minded people and organizations. For more information on how to advertise on this show, send an email to adverts, that's A-D-V-E-R-T-S, at galtspeaks.com. That's A-D-V-E-R-T-S at galtspeaks.com. Hi, I'm Warren Marquardt, host of the Warren Marquardt Show on Blog Talk Radio. Join me this Thursday and every Thursday thereafter as we make the jump from internet to broadcast. Join me on 1230 AM KLAV, the talk of Las Vegas, at 11 AM Pacific Time to talk about current events, politics, and anything else that might tickle my fancy. Remember, Politically Incorrect on the Warren Markwood Show, Thursday morning at 11 Pacific Time on KLAV Radio. Remember, it's my world. You just live in it. Mostly Mail, your local provider for all your postal packaging and mailing needs, owned and operated by your neighbors. Mostly Mail provides the packaging and mailing services you need when dealing with all your holiday shipping. Visit Bill and the Boys at 7260 West Azure Drive, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89130. Or give them a call at 702-294-6245. That's 702-294-6245 for more information. Mostly Mail, your local provider for postal packaging and mailing needs. They keep me connected, they can keep you connected. Stop on in and tell them Warren sent you. This program is brought to you by the Law Office of Warren R. Markowitz Esquire. Attorney Markowitz, that's me, is licensed in New York, the U.S. District Court and Bankruptcy Courts in Colorado, and the Ninth and Tenth Circuit Courts of Appeal. For more information or to see if I can help you with your case, please contact me at info at MarkowitzLawFirm.com. That's M-A-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z-L-A-W-F-I-R-M.com. Warren Markowitz Esquire, a modern lawyer for modern times. Cryptocurrency and traditional forms of payment accepted. Okay, we are back. Welcome to uh, January 1st, 2015. If you made it this far, hey, you're one up on everybody else, right? You're alive. Hey, I, I, we just talked about the weather. I mean, last night out here in Vegas, it was cold. Brutal. I mean, I actually, I, I know I live up in the Northwest. I know that Henderson and Boulder City got a little bit of a dusting and stuff, but I swear to God, the way I was, the way that cold was cutting through the neighborhood, and it felt like it was actually cutting through the house at sometimes. I was expecting snow. I really was, and it was no joke. Yeah, I was really bummed out. We were promised snow, damn it. Well, I, w- I was waiting for it to snow because I was going to pop the hot tub, hop in the to- hop into it, and take a selfie. I mean, come on, think about it. Hot tub, snow, Vegas, January. I mean, it's just the all, legal snow. All, all the yeah, exactly. All the <laughs> all the all the pieces were right there. But man, I was disappointed when it, there was no snow. Yeah, it's some Scarface style right there. Exactly. I mean, come on, you got to have some fun. Come on, we are in a place that uh, that uh, is, is called Sin City, even though you can't really sin that much out here anymore. Yeah, it's a red state, very, very conservative. But question for you. See. Anybody out there, have you ever heard the term microaggression? I know micromanaging. I know micromachines. Microaggression. Microaggression. Now, if I had to make an educated guess, a hypothesis, mm-hmm. if you will, okay, I, I would say a... Uh, a small instigation that may not necessarily be overtly violent, but something that's intended to lead to a uh, an escalated conflict. I think you got half the definition right. Okay, I was. I'm but a liberal. You, I think, but you got. I think what you've got is the uh, the uh, counter aggressor's position quite correctly, and I'll explain it to you right now. One of the things I think we're going to be dealing with dramatically. In 2015, I think overtly, straight out of the box, it's going to be right up in our faces. It's going to be this issue of uh, this, and I I swear to God, I'm going to call this this way, perceived racism. Okay, perceived, not overt. We're talking about, oh, you hurt my feelings and you did it because I was black. You hurt my feelings and you did it because I was white. Okay, this white privilege, this perceived racism, this 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 falling apart of. uh, of of this of these attainable reasonable de- necessary goals that were laid out in the 1960s during the civil rights era about judging people based upon who they are not what they are and i bring this up because i read an article a couple of days ago and it really freaked the daylights out of me 
anybody who's gone to college knows, uh, even your uh, your ultra left, maybe your Che Guevara wearing T-shirt kind of professors have an educational standard somewhere buried deep within their 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 uh, their credentials in which they have to attain a curriculum vitae. Yes, uh, and these guys, for example, English. Yes. My ears perked up. There is a standard English on which we speak. Okay, we're not talking about abonics. We're not talking about uh, Spanglish. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about oh, I don't know. Uh, trying to listen to somebody walking into a Chinese restaurant who's just learning English, you understand there are problems there. We're talking about standards in English. There's standard punctuation. There's standard spellings. There's places in which you capitalize things. There are standards in which we are to comply. Because why? We speak English, right? I mean, we were at least in America, we try to speak speak English. Yeah, over here it's uh, ASE, American Standard English. Yeah, okay. There's so, British Standard and Vancouver Standard. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But in general, there are standards to which we are trying to hold ourselves. There was an article I read, okay, and it's, I posted it on Facebook, and I think I shared it with uh, my radio page. Um, a professor, and I believe it was UCLA, and I'm, uh, so if I'm off by the university, uh, forgive me, but was deemed to be racist. We're mm. ready for this one? Okay. For correcting the spelling and grammar of a black student's paper. Now, is this an English class? He's or? an English professor. Hmm. And he was deemed to be racist. And the term was that the concepts and ideas that he was bringing forth in class by correcting the language being used and the grammar being used was microaggressive. Now, folks... I don't know about you, but I have had it. I'm six foot four. I've had it up to the top of my head about perceived violations of people's being making being held accountable because people are being made to feel bad. Now, do they talk about the uh, like the backstory to this? Like, was it like a like a fiction assignment or was it like a term paper? It was a writing assignment, and he corrected the language and the grammar and the spelling in the writing assignment. Period and finished. And these students came at him and actually tried to have him fired for being racist, for having the gall to correct a black person's language and spelling. Now, you said they attempted. Did they actually succeed? No, they did not. Not to my knowledge. Now, here's the thing. Several years back, they tried to roll out Ebonics in New York City school districts. You know what Ebonics is, don't you? Yes. Okay. It's black people English. Well, certain types of... Well, it's street language, okay? It, it's, street, it's street language. I wouldn't consider it English, but it's street, it's street words. Okay, and we can use it from that. But I got, that died a miserable death because it makes no sense. Why are we working towards separating ourselves as opposed to working towards uniting ourselves? You know, see, for those of you who are out there who actually listen to other people... Michael Savage, has a, his core is borders, language, and culture. The idea behind having a unifying language. Immigrants came to this country. They learned English. You, take the, you, you, know, you, you, you learn the language to participate in society. We're doing everything we possibly can to compartmentalize people. Now, here's the thing. Not to get biblical on anybody's butt because I'm not, a, I'm not that type of person. But there's a story called the Tower of Babel. Anybody remember that story? Remember I that do. Story? I do. You remember the story? And what happened with the Tower of Babel? Everybody spoke a single language. They tried to build a tower to reach the heavens. Somebody decided, well, this is not a good idea. And all of a sudden, everybody spoke a different language. And what happened then? Fights broke out. People didn't get along. They couldn't communicate. They couldn't complete the task. Do we really want to live in a society in which we're being forced to be able to conflict with other members of that society? You go to New York State, you go to New York City, I think they, they put the, the ballots, the political ballots in like 70 or 80 different languages. Now, I think it's kind of cool when people speak languages and dialects from the old country, where their family used to come from. Romania. It's always, it's always good. Is that where your family's from? No, just in general. Whenever I hear old country i think of yeah, things like yeah like Romania. eastern europe yeah because well, eastern europe has got that connotation of being older than old but that's the thing 
we're being and what's going on is I think we're going to see more and more and more of the issue involving perceived issues of racism. There was a, an episode I did, and I, and I know this is getting worse because we covered an episode on my podcast before I, before we came live here on KLAV um, that in Florida they were actually changing the grading scales based upon race. They wanted to bring the wrong order to roll this out. They wanted. They were telling us straight out that people were not smart enough to compete. That because of your race, because of your your background, you were not smart enough. If you're not offended by this, what are you? Do you do you want to live in a world in which oh, he's white, he's all privileged? That's another thing. This is white privilege BS that's going around. Uh, oh, you don't know what it's like. Why are you making it worse for yourself? Why are you making it worse for me? Although, to be fair, that I've mostly seen that line trotted out by other white people. Yeah, that's the, that's the worst part about it. That's the, that's the worst part about it. A perceived issue. Again, nothing of any value. Privileged. Well, I'm privileged. Why? Because I can speak. I'm privileged because I can add. I'm privileged because I can do basic math. I mean, you, you really want to see what it's like to be white privileged and have, being, have basic math skills. Go talk to somebody over at Smith's or Albertsons and ask them to make change after they put the numbers into the computer to give you your change back for your purchase. If I remember correctly, that was an anecdote on your very first show. Yeah, it was because it happened more times than not. It keeps happening. Oh, people, it takes me back. People, people just simply can't do the basics anymore. So here's the thing. I, I know we're going to be dealing with problems with, with unemployment, and I think we're going to start seeing unemployment shifting towards those who can't afford to be unemployed because they can't compete. I think we're going to start seeing issues involving uh, – I like the idea of oil prices dropping, so it's not really not going to bother me any. Like I said, every time I fill up my truck for under 50 bucks, it feels like I'm raping an Arab, so it works for me. <laughs> but I'm pish. Hey, listen, you know what? When it used to spend me $80 to fill that truck up, and now it costs me 50 I'm very happy about that extra thirty dollars in my pocket, not somebody else's. I could care less what they think about me. Man, that that the uh, the Jew Arab fight has been going on for generations. Well, that's the other thing I want to get to. Hang on, sit down. Uh, I'm, and, a, and, I'm and, a master of throwing. And it's not it's segues. not it's not just a Jew Arab fight. It's actually a, it's actually a, uh, an issue of of uh, not societies, but uh, Western civilization versus Eastern civilization, and it's something that we're going to be dealing with a lot uh, in in 2015, and of course. You know, this racial issue is, is is getting to the point where people are looking for excuses, and I think we're gonna we're either gonna solve it or we're gonna be engulfed completely by it. And I, I really hope we're gonna find a way out of it because it's just not right. Now, you brought up the uh, the the Jewish Arab issue. I did. Well, how about this one for you? Uh, the UN Security Council, without the help of the United States' vote, U.S.'s vote, denied a Palestinian. Uh, resolution to establish a Palestinian state by, ready for this one, the 1948 borders, not the 67 borders, but the 1948 borders. I'm not sure what either of those mean, but okay. okay I'll explain to you in a second. Uh, the 1948 borders from the Palestinian Authority, which, by the way, is not a participating nation, but it is a non-governmental or non-nation state participant or observer. I'm just waiting for my phones to light up. The resolution came... All right, you got a comment, 731-1230. Come on, I know this is a hot button issue. I know someone's... Now, here's the thing, okay? Jordan Jordan actually brought the uh, resolution forward. It was was denied, so there was no veto by the United States. But the difference between is this. We're talking about the issue of civilizations. We're talking about, you know, because ISIS is a big problem. And ISIS is going to continue to be a big problem. Because, you know, you can't have an organization running through the world that wants to wipe out everybody else but themselves. Last time that happened, it was called fascism. Uh, It was called Nazi Germany. You know, it kind of turned Europe into one big prison camp. It really wasn't a pleasant chain of events. I've I've heard of such. Yes, it was called World War II. We just celebrated actually the 73rd anniversary of Pearl Harbor, which was effectively our entry into World War II. D-Day, uh, its anniversary is, hmm. I, bl- I want to say, no- say November. No, that's November is Armistice Day. It's November 11th, 1917. But uh, D-Day would be... Do you have military in your family? No, I just, uh, his- history. Uh, my background's pol- politics and, and history. Oh, sweet. So uh, American history? 
American history. Uh, world history, American history and world history, but predominantly American history. But uh, let's see, I think D-Day would be somewhere in the neighborhood of August, I think. I have to double check on that one. But anyway, um, the point being is that we, are, we, are, we fought this battle before. We fought this world war, this war before, and it was a different generation. We knew it was right from wrong. Right now, everything is right with some connotations. You know, everything is perspective. It's not wrong because it just doesn't agree with me. Because that's how everybody now lives in a big shaded area of gray. There's no black and white anymore. And uh, we're not referring to colors of people. We're talking the colors of right and wrong. I mean, as a lawyer, I live in a gray area. But in terms of dealing with evil, there comes a time when you have to look at it and say, hey, that's not right. That's just completely wrong. The 1948-1967 borders have a lot to do with a lot of things. 1948 was a partition agreement by the United Nations that was supposed to give birth to both Israel and a Palestinian country. It was supposed to. It was called the two-country settlement. The problem was the Palestinians decided, eh, we want the whole thing. So we're not going to participate in this partition. But what we're going to do is we're going to have our the, the other Arab countries around here we're going to roll in with our tanks and our men and our guns and our bullets and so forth, and we're just going to simply push everybody into the sea, and we're going to take the whole thing. I'm just waiting for that groundswell to start. That didn't happen because, you know, Israel declared itself unilaterally, unilaterally after— Tongue twister. Uh, yeah, exactly. After the uh, the Palestinians have said, no, we're not participating, and off we go. In 1967, we also had the issue of Jerusalem. That's when— uh, the 1967 war when Jerusalem, Eastern Jerusalem, was captured by uh, the Israelis from the Jordanians. They were told to stay out of the war with the rest of the Arab countries, but Jordan decided to back at Egypt, and next thing you know, Jerusalem is no longer Jerusalem and the West Bank are no longer part of Jordan. So many times the, 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 the issues have come up with trying to roll things back to the 67 borders, the armistice line, the green line, they call it. Which favors? Which pretty much gives most of what the Palestinians have wanted for their their territory to begin with, but they keep saying no. You can't negotiate with people who keep changing the terms of the negotiation. And one of the things that most people in the West don't realize is the more they, they're, they're allowed to lie to us. These people are allowed to lie to us because we're not one of them. And if we're not one of them, they can lie to us, and they don't have to keep... To, that's why there's never a peace treaty. There's never a, a, an issue of... Nonviolence. For example, does Israel occupy the Gaza Strip? Let me ask you that question. I, do you know? Do you actually know whether or not Israel occupies the Gaza Strip or not? I'll be completely honest. I do not know. Okay. In 2005, Israel said, the hell with it, we're leaving. They pulled everybody out, everybody who lived there, everybody, every piece of equipment they built. They, there was actually a group that purchased the greenhouses and the farming equipment. All the residential areas there were demolished. They simply picked up and left. The only thing they didn't do was remove the border crossing. So if you want to leave Gaza and come into Israel, you, you got to go through the border crossing. Or if you're part of Hamas, you can dig a tunnel, fill it with concrete, and walk across the walk across. Kind of like you know the Grand, you know uh, Texas. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. But now they're still they're still complaining that Israel occupies Gaza. Israel hasn't been in Gaza in, in almost ten years. They picked up and left. So perspective is a lot of things, and I think this is an issue that we're going to have going forward. Is we're going to we we have to start looking at the world in black and white. We have to stop start looking at the good and the evil. If it doesn't work with with American politics, if it doesn't work with America and what America needs, I'm sorry, it's evil. It's wrong. You don't have to deal with it, but just don't call it something that it's not. And I think that's going to be a lot of things. That's a, that's a, that's a an issue of civilizations, a war of civilizations. And the other thing that I think we're going to see going forward is I think we're going to see Common Core start to fall by the wayside. I've heard a few things about how that's already starting to shake and fray. You know, Common Core has been given, and, and we're seeing it develop through the lunch program. We covered the lunch program. We talked about that God, a couple of times on our show. Thanks, Michelle Obama. Yes, thank you. That's exactly it. My, my, my daughter was here as well. But these are the things. We'll get back to the Common Core right after this break. But sit tight, folks. 2015 is going to be filled with a lot of fun.
you have a product or service that would be attractive to the listeners of this program? Programs like this require support of interested parties, vendors, and advocates just like you to continue to bring the message of freedom and independence to its audience. Politically Incorrect reaches thousands of people each month worldwide through traditional media and the Internet, and our listeners want the opportunity to vote with their pockets and cash by supporting like-minded people and organizations. For more information on how to advertise on this show, send an email to adverts, that's A-D-V-E-R-T-S, at galtspeaks.com. That's A-D-V-E-R-T-S at galtspeaks.com. Hi, I'm Warren Markwitz, host of the Warren Markwitz Show on Blog Talk Radio. Join me this Thursday and every Thursday thereafter as we make the jump from internet to broadcast. Join me on 1230 a.m. KLAV, the talk of Las Vegas, at 11 a.m. Pacific time to talk about current events, politics, and anything else that might tickle my fancy. Remember, Politically Incorrect on the Warren Markwood Show, Thursday morning at 11 Pacific time on KLAV Radio. Remember, it's my world. You just live in it. Mostly Mail, your local provider for all your postal packaging and mailing needs, owned and operated by your neighbors. Mostly Mail provides the packaging and mailing services you need when dealing with all your holiday shipping. Visit Bill and the Boys at 7260 West Azure Drive, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89130, Or give them a call at 702-294-6245. That's 702-294-6245 for more information. Mostly Mail, your local provider for postal packaging and mailing needs. They keep me connected. They can keep you connected. Stop on in and tell them Warren sent you. This program is brought to you by the Law Office of Warren R. Markowitz Esquire. Attorney Markowitz, that's me, is licensed in New York, the U.S. District Court and Bankruptcy Courts in Colorado, and the Ninth and Tenth Circuit Courts of Appeal. For more information or to see if I can help you with your case, please contact me at info at MarkowitzLawFirm.com. That's M-A-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z-L-A-W-F-I-R-M.com. Warren Markowitz Esquire, a modern lawyer for modern times. Cryptocurrency and traditional forms of payment accepted. Welcome back to Politically Incorrect on the Warren Markowitz Show live here on KLAV. 12.30 a.m., the talk of Las Vegas. Having a great time today uh, joining uh, myself and Ryan. I want to appreciate everybody for spending a little time with us as we go through my predictions for 2015. We need like a little crystal ball sound effect. You got, you got one in there? Oh, you got, okay. You got one. You pull, one. You pull one out of there. We have to find one of those. Um, before the break, we talked about or we, we hinted at the simple fact that I think Common Core is going to be uh, – Slowly but surely going by the wayside. And don't uh, call me Shirley. Don't call you Shirley. You got it. I won't call you Shirley. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think there's just way too many people who have seen the failures of a unified, I mean, a truly attempt at unifying standards for kids that uh, I don't think we can unify. But it sounds cool, doesn't it? Unity? Well, no, here's the thing it sounds cool, but a problem with unification in that respect, is it leaves out two major groups. It forces everybody to the middle, number one, which means you take the top and you drag it down, and you're attempting to lift the bottom up. My, my, my perspective on this is, is fairly simple. You don't pull the top down. You keep pushing them forward. Because if we're going to use the concept of a rising tide lifts all boats, okay, so you, you see the picture in here? It's been used in economics, it's been used in politics, it's been used in a whole bunch of things. But if you're going to use the concept of a rising tide lifts all boats and then an educational system that benefits all, benefits all equally, then you have to continue to support the kids that can advance. The ones that advance, the one, the, you, you, the nerds are the ones who are the future. All right, let's get something straight here. The nerds are the future. The kids who can't tie their shoes, who aren't potty trained by the time they're in third grade, who don't know how to read and write and, sp- and do basic arithmetic or spell um, by the time they're in third grade, I'm sorry to say those are the ones that need special assistance and special treatments. But they don't need it at the expense of the kids who have an opportunity to both grow and develop. See, what, what's happened is this. With Common Core, we try to grade everybody across the same perspe- you know, spectrum. We try to identify people as uh, they're saying that we're all the same. Okay, 
There's a difference between being all the same and all of us being equal. Now, is that where Common Core comes from? Common Core is, an identi- is a way of saying that the school district in New York is the same as the school district in California. The, the platform in Florida is the same as the platform in Michigan. The, one, the material covered in Nevada is the same as the material covered in, 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 in Maine. That's the idea behind Common Core. And in theory, up- I can see why you would want that. Well, you would want to be able to uh, support the ability of a student to move from point A to point B. And also so you don't have schools that are just clearly lagging behind. Like you don't have like 1970s textbooks in a classroom or you don't have like the T1 calculator. Well, that's well, actually T1 calculator works. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never actually seen like the early T's. Listen, I, I mean, my wife has a calculator that goes back to 30 years. Does it have like the cashier little? No, no. She has actually a uh, scientific calculator from her college days. I mean, it's just ridiculous, but it still works. The point of the matter is it works. But in reference to what you said about uh, having some sort of uniformity and some sort of logic to it, it, that's the thing. Theoretically, it works wonders. The application is where we're failing miserably. I don't have a problem with the fact that you teach kids the same material that you're teaching them in other states. As a matter of fact, if we're going to cover American history, we should be covering American history the same way. Well, I shouldn't say the same way because teaching styles are different. Same material. If you're covering the Civil War, you cover the Civil War. If you're covering World War II, you cover World War II. If you're covering the Revolution and so on and so forth. On the other hand, they're making things different to make things, quote, simpler. When you add three numbers, let me ask you something. You got a piece of paper in handy? Uh, You're going to love this one. Now, write this number down. We're going to have some fun here. Gotcha. 327. Okay. Plus 54. Mm hmm. Now add the numbers. I feel like such a dunce that I still have to do it the old fashioned way. It's okay. What's the old fashioned way? 381. What's the old fashioned way? Where I have the count on my fingers. Oh, okay. That's, you know, I'm not even going there. Where aren't that? Where did you start when you added the numbers? I started from the right. Why'd you do that? That was how I was taught. That's wrong. Is it? They're not teaching the kids to start from the left. Now do it from the left. See how you can figure it out. Okay. Let's see. Uh, could you give me two different numbers just so I'm not... Uh, 631 and 86. Mm. <laughs> you see what I'm talking about? Uh, Instead of teaching, I don't even know if I got it right. Okay, the concept of this is well, I don't. Let me see the numbers: six thirty-one and eighty-six. You should have. I got seven. That's seven. That's eleven. That's should be seven eleven. I think right. I got seven Seven, seventeen. Sorry, seven seventeen. Yeah. Okay, but here's what they're doing: they're teaching kids to block numbers now instead of to add numbers. Instead of subtracting, they're teaching you to add up to something to figure out the differences. They're teaching kids to start from the left instead of the right because, ready for this one? It's too complicated to carry a number. The idea of carrying the 10 from the, th- the 3 and the 8, okay, when you get 3 and an 8, what do you add to? That's 11, right? Should be 12. 3 and, ele- three and 8 is 12? I mean 11, yes. Okay, 11. 3 and 8 is 11. Yeah. So you put the 1 down and yes. you carry the 1. Yeah, you that's, got 6 that's... and 1 is not 7, right? Yeah, I think I might have even done it. Not according to Common Core because I still carried the one. I just carried it on the left. But here's the thing: the car- the idea of carrying is too complicated. It has become to the point where they're trying to make things simple by ignoring the basics. I learned multiplication by learning my multiplication tables. Did you learn multiplication by learning multi- multiplication tables? Yes. Okay. They don't teach those anymore. They don't use those anymore. They don't use the ideas that uh, uh, the they're making it more difficult to make it look like it's simpler. In other words, the old adage of if you can't dazzle them with brilliance, you baffle them with bullshit. And for those of you just tuning in through that seven second delay, BS. Oops. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Sorry about it's that. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. I apologize for anybody I might have offended. I no, no one's going to get the studio's not going to burn down. It's I completely, fine. I completely blanked. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, the point being is that's the whole idea. They're they're making it more complicated to make it look like it's more productive. Now, have they actually done any kind of research as to whether or not this is more efficient? I haven't got a clue. Like how they will every so often try to get like Dvorak style keyboards in. I don't know. I really don't know. The point being is this. I want you to think about this. Do you need to complicate a kid's life when they can't add 
Remember my stories about going to the Smiths. Remember my story about going to Radio Shack. Those were real stories. I could not make change because I didn't know how to add up to a number. You know, some kid gives you 73 cents back in change. You say, hang on a second, here's 27 cents, give me a dollar. And they look at you like you got five heads, three feet, and a foot coming out of your ears because they don't know how to make the difference. They can't add in their heads because a computer didn't tell them. The more complicated we make things, the more difficult life becomes. So for you Star Trek fans out there, Scotty once said, the more complicated they make the Enterprise, the easier it is to break it. Captain. Yeah, exactly. So listen, we'll come back, wrap up the show right after this. Thanks for joining us today. See you in a bit. Mostly Mail, your local provider for all your postal packaging and mailing needs. Owned and operated by your neighbors, Mostly Mail provides the packaging and mailing services you need when dealing with all your holiday shipping. Visit Bill and the Boys at 7260 West Azure Drive, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89130, or give them a call at 702-294-6245. That's 702-294-6245 for more information. Mostly Mail, your local provider for postal packaging and mailing needs. They keep me connected, they can keep you connected. Stop on in and tell them Warren sent you. Do you have a product or service that would be attractive to the listeners of this program? Programs like this require support of interested parties, vendors, and advocates just like you to continue to bring the message of freedom and independence to its audience. Politically Incorrect reaches thousands of people each month worldwide through traditional media and the Internet, and our listeners want the opportunity to vote with their pockets and cash by supporting like-minded people and organizations. For more information on how to advertise on this show, send an email to adverts, that's A-D-V-E-R-T-S, at galtspeaks.com. That's A-D-V-E-R-T-S at galtspeaks.com. Hi, I'm Warren Marquardt, host of the Warren Marquardt Show on Blog Talk Radio. Join me this Thursday and every Thursday thereafter as we make the jump from internet to broadcast. Join me on 1230 AM KLAV, the talk of Las Vegas at 11 AM Pacific time to talk about current events, politics, and anything else that might tickle my fancy. Remember, Politically Incorrect on the Warren Markwood Show, Thursday morning at 11 Pacific Time on KLAV Radio. Remember, it's my world. You just live in it. This program is brought to you by the Law Office of Warren R. Markowitz Esquire. Attorney Markowitz, that's me, is licensed in New York, the U.S. District Court and Bankruptcy Courts in Colorado, and the Ninth and Tenth Circuit Courts of Appeal. For more information or to see if I can help you with your case, please contact me at info at markowitzlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z-L-A-W-F-I-R-M.com. Warren Markowitz Esquire, a modern lawyer for modern times. Cryptocurrency and traditional forms of payment accepted. Hey, we are back and we're wrapping up the 20... Oh, well, the 2015, January 1st. I was going to say, did you almost say 2014? Yeah. I've already jotted down a few 2014s when I've been uh, writing some things. Yeah, well, well, thankfully we don't use checks for the most part anymore. Uh, yeah, remember those olden days? Yeah, the olden days where you actually had to write a piece of paper to give somebody a promise to actually go to somebody else to get the money back from them. Um, that's another thing. I think cryptocurrency is going to make a, it's gonna make a big inland, big... Uh, inroads on a lot of our lives. I think we're going to be seeing other payment methods. I mean, Apple Pay rolled out this year. Uh, there's Google Wallet. Uh, Bitcoin is a big thing that people have been talking about, even though it kind of ran up to 20, it ran up to like 1500 bucks a, a unit before it crashed down to the 300 and plus range. Um, point being is this. Our world is in front of us. This is a wonderful place for us to be. January 1st is a great way of starting off the new year. I want to thank you very much for starting off the new year with me. 2015 is going to be great. I hope it's wonderful for you and for your families. Thank you very much. Catch me again. We're going to run this. Uh, uh, well, we're going to have some fun this year. Okay, Ryan. Thanks for your time. Appreciate you for everything. And uh, very much likewise. Happy New Year from Politically Incorrect and the crew here at KLAV. You guys be good. We'll talk to you soon. Woo!